Hello and welcome to Paranormal Hotline, your weekly deliverance of the strange and unusual, the real and unreal. Each week we go on some sort of information adventure to give you a nice podcast to listen to. My name is Oshin and I will be leading today's excursion, for better or for worse. And I am joined by my trusty first mate and crusty... Crusty? Crusty? Wow. <laughs> I've been called many things trusty. but never crusty. No, I'm after mixing up <laughs> trusty and co-ghost. <laughs> and co-ghost Kaylee. Kaylee, how are Hello. you? How are you? I hope you're not too crusty. I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm not crusty at all, I don't think. That's good. <laughs> the best news I've heard. Well, if anybody out there is a doctor... Uh, <laughs> Um, no, I'm fine. How are you, Oshin? I'm I'm doing okay. I have uh, I'm going beekeeping later on, or I'm learning about bees. It's dark out, so I can't actually go beekeeping. But I'm learning about beekeeping. The bees. The bees, not the bees. Yeah. That's cool though. Beekeeping is something that I would love to do, but I just can't invest more time in any other hobbies at the minute. Uh, neither can I. But here I am. Yeah, there you are doing it. But you make like you make like mead and stuff, so it makes sense for you to have bees. Yeah, you know? I'm, yeah. I'm going to the source. You're making it from scratch, literally. Mm-hmm. If there's ever an apocalypse, I'll come to you for my drink. Oh, please do. I'll, I'll come to you for your sword fighting skills. <laughs> On today's episode, we are looking at the phenomenon known as the third man factor. Kaylee, do you know much about this to begin with? I know a little bit about it because I've read a few stories of people uh, on Reddit who have had this happen to them but I don't know an awful lot about it or what it even is yeah it's it's an oddly common thing but I, I'll get into it but in researching it I already had to hold myself back from a tangent like a researching tangent because it actually has a really interesting origin oh. uh, or where it started to get it talked about so across the world in history there has been reports by people who have been in situations of extreme stress or trauma their reports all share a common theme or occurrence that is the feeling of an unseen presence that will provide comfort, support, or guidance during these experiences. Confusingly enough, it is referred to by people who know about these situations, such as mountaineers and climbers and the likes, as the third man factor or third man syndrome. The name itself comes from a poem by American modern poet T.S. Eliot. Hello and welcome to the Poetry Corner. Quick reading today of the excerpt from T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland. Who is the third who walks always beside you? When I count, there are only you and I together. When I look ahead up the white road, there is always another one walking beside you, gliding wrapped in a brown mantle, hooded, but I do not know whether a man or woman. But who is that on the other side of you? So uh, I'm getting like flashbacks, the vibe of exams in school, but that's besides (laughs) the point. So in this poem, they're referring to the third, uh, and that gave rise to this phenomenon and that's even if there's just one person in a situation it's still called the third man oh yeah I actually never even thought of that because most of the stories I've heard of it's just one person who encounters another yeah. person and it's called the third man yeah, yeah okay so it's named it's named that's for the cool. poem um, ah. or well the excerpt from the poem in his notes on writing the poem T.S. Eliot says that that bit was inspired by an experience of Ernest Shackleton during his expedition to the Antarctic of 1914 to 1917 do you know anything, Kaylee, about Ernest Shackleton and the endurance expedition? I know a little bit, yeah. Dangerous tangent to the territory here now. I call it the endurance expedition because it's less of a mouthful than the Imperial Transatlantic Expedition. Ernest Shackleton, we can claim him. He was born in Kildare, so he's uh, to, to me, he's a good Irish explorer. 
even if he grew up in London. So yeah, this is like, in history, one of the most epic explorations or adventures in real life. I'm a huge fan of Tom Crean. This was one of the expeditions he was on. I, I'm going to have to try to figure out a way to do an episode or something on Tom Crean. It wouldn't be paranormal, but he's so cool and it's, such an, it's, like it's an unreal story. The stuff that they have to put up with and, and they end up doing is stranger than fiction. I don't want to go too much into it here and now, but I think the reason that there hasn't been any major films about him is that it would just be so harsh and epic that like an audience that didn't know that it is legit would say that's too far-fetched okay so that that's my small tangent uh, I, i'll try to do something on that eventually at some capacity who knows where so in 1919 ernest shackleton puts out a book called south and it's about his expedition to attempt to cross antarctica on land uh, here's a spoiler warning they didn't make the crossing the whole thing was a disaster but it's viewed as like a massive act of endurance and willpower. So the name of the ship was foreshadowing, I, I suppose. I, I get emotional to think about the whole thing. The endurance got stuck in pack ice. So the, uh, the ship got stuck in ice. Uh, it was there for months. Like They ended up getting stuck there for years uh, in this whole adventure. The ship and the ice drifted and eventually the ice began to form up and crush the endurance. The crew of 28 took what they could and they went to go camp on the ice and then like, march to find a place to go. They then make a trip by lifeboat, which they were hauling over the ice to a nearby island called Elephant Island. From there, Shackleton and Crane and four other men upgraded one of the lifeboats by taking apart the other ones. They sail 1,300 kilometers to South Georgia, you know, and it's like in the worst storm possible at the time. They land. That's incredibly cool. Yeah, and meanwhile, like, you know, there's temperatures here of, you know, minus 20s, like. Very cool. Freezing. They land there. They're on the wrong side of the island. Shackle and Crane and a man called Frank Worsley. They have to trek 28 miles over a mountain to a whaling station on the other side of the island while the three other men, they stay in a makeshift camp. After a difficult descent, which involved like having to go down a freezing waterfall. Jesus. Like climb down it. They reach safety uh, at this whaling station. Uh, recounting this, this is this is the important part for, for today's episode. Shacklin writes, When I look back at those days, I have no doubt that Providence guided us, not only across these snowfields, but across the storm-white sea that separated Elephant Island from our landing place on South Georgia. I know that during that long and racking march of 36 hours over the unnamed mountains and glaciers of South Georgia, it seemed to me that we were four not three. I said nothing to my companions on the point, but afterwards Worsley said to me, Boss, I had a curious feeling on the march that there was another person with us. Crean confessed to the same idea. One feels that the dearth of human words, the roughness of the mortal soul, in trying to describe things intangible. But a record of our journeys would be incomplete without a reference to a subject very near to our hearts. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can help it out. We have a Patreon, that's a way to directly support the podcast. And you'll get access to our Discord. We are always chatting and posting stuff about and in between episodes. That's over at www.patreon.com forward slash paranormal hotline. We are on social media, and if you are too, you should consider following us there. On Instagram, we are paranormal hotline, and that's where we post pictures from our adventures and investigations. On Twitter, we are paranormal HL, and that's a good place to get in touch with us. So yeah, like what what a what an account to write down. It's very cool. Uh, it's terrifying that other people like felt another presence and it was like after the point after like after it was all it wasn't like oh hey you guys do you feel that oh yeah you know since he came out with that in his book 
other survivors of extreme hardship, they also came forward with similar stories. Later on ones, uh, I read one account saying that Charles Lindbergh, who in 1927, he made the first transatlantic flight aboard the Spirit of St. Louis, uh, he experienced something. His report was that 22 hours into the journey, he became aware of a presence that reassured him and supposedly discussed navigational problems that kind of stayed with him all until he got he saw the coast of Ireland and he was close to France where he was headed. Oh, that's really cool. I, like, I didn't know that these third persons could like actually communicate with people. Oh, see that that's a that's a thing. Like, sometimes sometimes it's just like a feeling of a presence, a presence and a reassurance. There's other cases where it's like they're actually getting advice almost or like a direction that's really cool hmm that is really cool I wonder what it is oh now I have so many things going on in my head what do you think it is my immediate thought right it was like mm. family member or somebody who passed away and is trying to communicate that's just the first thing that came to my head mm. that wouldn't make any sense because how would their family member know how to navigate a plane that is an incredibly Irish answer though it is that is, that is, a, <laughs> that is a big thing in like the Irish gestalt yeah, I mean, um, I, I read a story a while ago. Or sorry, I think I actually watched a video on it. There was this like family who were in a car accident, and mm. um, when the car crashed, like both the parents in the front passed away, like immediately on impact, they died. But there was a kid in the back seat who survived, mm-hmm. and they didn't find the car immediately. He was still strapped in for like a couple of days, like a long time. Yeah, he remembers. Like his mom turning around and telling him everything was going to be okay and like telling him when people were coming and stuff even though like the medics confirmed she died on impact like there's no way she was talking to him or anything that's mad so that's why it came to my head immediately so that's probably why i was thinking of like a family member or something yeah. like that there's a the whole thing of like guardian angels and like i'll get to when i'm getting wrapping it up but that's one of the the you know things that people say how convenient it is. that his guardian angel knew how to fly a plane i know yeah yeah <laughs> but i was just going to say that like I know it's like there's a whole thing of guardian angels but it's like in Ireland it, it always seems to be like ancestral or like you yeah. know you know like you're saying dead family members whereas other places you know a guardian angel is like you know just one of you know the pantheon of angels or whatever they are called like you know yeah, you, yeah. you get one you get one I was well, thinking well, of like know, you, know, you know the show Teen Angel <laughs> I don't know you ever watched that I don't think I've watched Teen Angel oh it was a show when we were younger and uh, it's basically like this guy and his friend died after eating a a gone off burger and he becomes his like guardian angel and he's oh just like God. useless oh yeah no. <laughs> if my if i was flying a plane i know for a fact my guardian angel i'd, I'd look over see my guardian angel and be like help and it would just be like i don't know how to fly a plane <laughs> you're fucked <laughs> it's really cool though really i never i haven't heard of anyone ever getting like feedback from yeah, yeah. the other person so that's really cool now bear in mind like you know he is 22 hours into his flight and like struggling to stay awake yeah, yeah, of course. Because, like, he's been flying for 22 hours. Is, he's like, been a week know, before then. I've played games for that long, and I've never had somebody telling me how to how to fight a Striga in The Witcher, <laughs> <laughs> you know? No, I don't get any useful advice. No. Um, when that sort of thing starts kicking in. In 1933, Frank, a British explorer, was among the climbers who attempted to summit Mount Everest. Despite facing unfavourable conditions during their arduous journey, with him coming close to becoming the first person to reach the summit. However, due to the harsh winter and oxygen depletion, the group was forced to abandon their mission. Frank, however, was undeterred and continued his ascent alone, ultimately falling short of the summit by a mere 304 metres. Oh, man. Yeah. That's 
Despicable. Oh, 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 you'd be sick and... You'd be very upset. Yikes, buddy. Yikes. That sucks. That sucks. Despite being alone, Frank did not perceive it that way. All the time I was climbing alone, I had a strong feeling that I was accompanied by a second person. The feeling was so strong that it completely eliminated all loneliness I might otherwise have felt, he recounted in his diary after the attempt. At one point, Frank was so convinced of his imaginary guide that he tried to share some Kendall mint cake with it. But upon turning around, realised there was no one there with him. Wait, what? Mint cake? Yeah. I presume it's like... disgusting. I wouldn't want one any either. (laughs) Like a provision, I presume. It's like a probably like a sugary something or other. Probably, yeah. Still mint. Uh, Mint is bad when you're in cold weather. I suppose, yeah. It's not ideal, is it? (laughs) You ever brush your teeth and then go out for like a cycle or a jog or something in the freezing cold and you just feel like your teeth are going to freeze off? Yeah, it's not good. Or you drink like a cold water and you're like, that's it. Ah, That's game over. (laughs) What a beast. No wonder he's hallucinating. (laughs) Other examples of the third man factor include Lawrence of Arabia, who reported he heard a voice that advised and provided him encouragement while he was leading Arab forces against the Ottoman Empire in World War I. All right. In World War II, General Patton reported hearing a mysterious voice that gave him guidance and inspiration. I'd like to think that, like, guardian angels would stay out of war. Right. (laughs) You know? (laughs) That seems a bit, uh, you know. Here's the thing. They don't have to be guardian angels. And we'll, we'll get no, to that. Yeah. We'll get to that. But uh, All right. mountain climber called Joe Simpson recounted a comparable experience in his 1988 book, Touching the Void, which transpired while he was climbing in the Peruvian Andes. He remembers hearing a voice that motivated and guided him as he struggled to return to base camp following a critical leg injury and a drop from a cliff into a crevasse. So he, he, that's how he escaped. Oh, damn. All these people are like doing the most amazing exploration mm. activities it's very cool I wish, I wish that was my life man I think it probably goes hand in hand a bit like just the either being very lonely or like the sensory deprivation because like going back to Shackleton you know like in the the snow and the ice it just all it dampens a lot of sound absolutely but also it's just like even colour wise it's just white yeah that's true actually too man no it's weird when snow like when you, when you go out and like it's really really thick mm-hmm. snow how everything's just so quiet yeah just this weird silence it just feels odd it feels off it does yeah because it like it just completely absorbs any sound or anything so it's, mm-hmm. it's almost like you're in this big uh, recording studio nearly yeah it's like there's just blankets everywhere and you just like, actually can't hear I remember yeah I remember like almost going hoarse actually when we had the big snow last and like you know you're out having fun in it but like you have to shout to everyone a more extreme description is when individuals claim to not only hear a third man but witness a mysterious figure emerge out of thin air to assist them, only to vanish without a trace. Whoa. A quite widespread phenomenon of this occurred in 2011, and it's known as the Butterfly People of Joplin. What? Yes. I thought you were going to say the clowns. No, no. (laughs) That was 2015, wasn't it? Uh, Something like that. What a nightmare we live in. I'd take the clowns over the pandemic any day, man. (laughs) On the 22nd of May 2011... A massive F5 tornado struck Joplin, Missouri. The tornado grew to the size of nearly one mile wide during its path Whoa. through the city. Holy moly. I didn't know they could get that wide. Uh, well, that's F5. It's like how that scale goes is F0, light damage. F1, moderate. F2, considerable. F3, severe. F4 is devastating. F5 is incredible. 
with speeds ranging from 261 to 318 miles per hour. There is an F6. Its damage is inconceivable. In it just suck the earth in out air of the earth. I, uh, yeah. I've never experienced a tornado, obviously, because we get them very rarely here. And then when we do, they're very small. Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. That is actually so scary. So it killed 161 people and destroyed over 900 homes, making it one of the deadliest tornadoes in US history. Not long after the tornado had dissipated, the people of Joplin began sharing stories of the strange things they had seen during the encounter. The majority of the accounts originated from young children who recounted hauntingly similar tales of encountering beautiful humanoid beings that rescued and protected people from the storm's wrath. What? Some children claimed to observe these creatures lifting individuals to heaven in the sky, while others reported witnessing the creatures shielding people under their wings for, for protection. Under the wings? They had wings? Yes, there were butterflies. Or, like, or butterfly people, yeah, was the description. That's mad. What? Yep. No, they has, that has to be like aliens or something. That's not normal. That's, uh, that's a theory on it. <laughs> were they also like blonde? All blonde? Because angels don't look like that, you know? Yeah. A- biblical right. angels look <laughs> the, like the eyeballs. Wheels and the, it in the, wheels. The big wheels, yeah. Like, they didn't have butterfly wings. They didn't protect people and they weren't pretty. <laughs> I think that's... They're the, literally always like, do not fear me. <laughs> it is a great o- <laughs> like, opening handsome, line. Like, yeah. Be not afraid. I do think specifically those like, you know, the, the classically biblical angels. I think they are a particular host of angels in the Bible. I'm not sure though. So I have a report. It comes from the Joplin Globe, a newspaper from there. And in it, Mason uh, is a girl. She had a metal rod driven through her body during the storm. And she would have died if it was an inch any other way. Many young survivors described butterfly people. They said they protected them during the tornado. Mason, who was grown up attending church, said there was no mistaking what she saw angels alongside her and her cousin their grandmother had urged them to pray as the storm approached she saw them just before the storm hit mason said and after she felt a touch on her shoulder but when i turned i saw two angels in robes one with brown hair and one with blonde hair she said it was kind of calming i knew god was with us and he'd take us to be with him or leave us to do something great another tale of the butterfly people involves a mother and her daughter who abandoned their vehicle in search of shelter from the oncoming tornado They leaped into a culvert and prepared for the worst. As the tornado approached, the mother watched their car hurtling towards them and, anticipating death, she shut her eyes. Moments later, she opened her eyes to find the tornado had passed and both she and her daughter had miraculously survived unscathed. The daughter then asked, weren't they pretty? Confused, the mother inquired, who are you talking about? To which the daughter replied, the butterfly people, they saved us. That doesn't sound like anything a kid would say. When was the last time you heard a kid describe somebody as pretty? They don't really perceive beauty the <laughs> same way adults do you know no if you're not a princess unless like the butterfly people were, was wearing like an Elsa cosplay or something <laughs> you know yeah I've nothing I've ever heard of. kids only exclusively call people ugly <laughs> like, that's what they're good at the child is a cruel mirror so what do you think of those those reports from Joplin it's very cool I, I don't know that they probably did see something but um that's terrifying I don't like butterfly people. It's like the no. Mothman enemy. <laughs> it's like, like the inverse Mothman. Yeah. This, I don't like these cryptid bug people, you know? They've kind of um, you, like adopted the image of the butterfly in the town like kind of as like a, a, good, a good thing. And like, you it's kind of cute, In memorials suppose. and stuff. 
Yeah, yeah. And like the murals and such. So what is the third man factor? One side of the explanations is that they're a divine intervention and the voice heard is a message from a higher power or God or gods, whatever you're having, who are offering guidance and encouragement. That's the sort of vibe I got that Shackleton was going for like when he was writing, when he was mentioning Providence. In a similar vein, uh, some believe that they might be guardian angels or an, e- an evidence towards the presence of guardian angels. That's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And it is interesting how different places will have like their own take on what a guardian angel is. Yeah, I mean, it's it's very similar to the um, near-death experiences. Um, they happen all over the world. We're not sure yeah. why they happen, but depending on you know where you are or what religion you are, you will see different things. Like c- Catholics or Christians or whatever often see, you know, the white light and they see their relatives or even some of them experience hell in uh, near-death experiences. And, uh, you know, other religions experience, you know, their version of the afterlife or, you mm-hmm. know, whatever. So it could be something similar to that. Like they're experiencing the same thing, but through a different lens. And what, I'm like, what's doubly interesting about that is like, does that mean that there's something there or is it like, that's yeah. the way your brain works when that starts to happen, you know? That's the scary thing, yeah. I mean, like, this is a nice thing, you know? This is very, like, soothing. Yeah, they're always there for good. Somebody's helping you. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side of those sort of more um, religious views, it was first clinically documented in the 1940s, and since then the syndrome has prompted psychologists to propose a range of potential causes and explanations. They include sensory deprivation, extreme fatigue and boredom, and even uh, potentially, like, an evolutionary adaptation. How could that evolutionarily assist us? So, like, if people can conjure up a reassuring presence and other people can't. Yeah. So that comfort, it could be Ah. like a survival advantage. Right. Okay. That's cool. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, So that that's it's like it's essentially believed to be in that form of self-soothing. Yeah. Like a coping mechanism. Uh, And it might even be uh, so like I was reading about this. It might even be um, an instance of bicameralism. That's a hypothesis in psychology and neuroscience where during the evolution of the brain, at one point, it used to like speak orders and then listen to its own orders. It, it was essentially divided. And then eventually, whatever, when we got rid of that divide, that's where we kind of came up with this individuality and like, you know, um, how we think nowadays. But so so it's, it's like, it's almost like a revert back to that or it's just like that that's coming through or something. But uh, like most things in the brain, there's a lot out there on it and nothing definite really it can also be like similar to like an imaginary friend and I imagine in some cases it might be the same thing you know I, for, for kids who are terrified of something you know you can conjure up a thing or you know if, unfortunately you know there's a trauma modern psychologists they've used the third man factor to treat to actually treat victims of trauma the cultivated inner character lends and imagines support and comfort so it's, it's almost you're doing it for yourself at that point I think is really cool that is pretty cool, yeah. It's almost like, you know, you imagine imagine the cool collected version of you. Yeah. <laughs> what would I do if yeah. I was cool? <laughs> That's kind of cool. It's like um it's almost like giving yourself a hug in a mm. in a horrible situation, which is yeah. kind of neat. Yeah. It's a, it's a, a strange form of self-care, isn't it? It is. And I think, like, you know, that's super powerful if we, like, can figure out how to properly harness that kind of thing. Like. Yes, but also I don't want to conjure up a second version of myself. <laughs> I just know I'd tort myself. I wouldn't be helpful at all. <laughs> That's all we have time for this week. I'd like to say welcome aboard to Clint, who is our new Patreon. Patron of the Saints, me and Oshin. Yep, that, that's holding <laughs> us in a very lofty status. I don't think either of us deserve that. Hello, hello to you, Clint. and uh, Welcome. Enjoy the madness. If you like the podcast, 
and suggest us to your friends and family and we would appreciate that. If you have any personal ghost stories that you'd like us to read on the podcast, send them in to us at paranormalhotlinepodcast at gmail.com or if you have any stories that you'd like us to cover, send us an email or send us a message on any of our social media and we'll get back to you on it. Thanks for listening. See Bye. ya.